And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. This morning, we're going to be looking at two portions of Scripture. The first is John chapter 3, and then we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, starting a new series today called Hope for the Holidays. Hope for the Holidays. And I want to talk to you about the gift of giving, the gift of giving, because Christmas is about giving. We celebrate Christmas because God gave his very best, his only begotten son. I want us to read John chapter 3, verse 16 together. I want us to read aloud and loudly. I want you to use your best voice. You say, Terrell, why are you doing this? It's because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if faith is going to grow in your heart, it's because your own ears are going to hear your own mouth reading God's word. Okay. And we know without faith, it is impossible to please God. So here we go. John chapter three, verse 16. Turn to the person next to you. Say, I'm using my best voice. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now turn to somebody and say, you did okay. You did okay. I, now tell them, I think you can do better. I think, I think you, can, you can actually cause these ceiling tiles to go up two or three inches. Come on, one more time. Here we go. This will do you good because you need to, your ears and your heart need to hear your mouth speaking forth God's word. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Give somebody a high five. Say, that was good this morning. See, the Bible says that God is a giver. God gave his very best. He gave his only begotten son. I thought last Sunday, Pastor Zach did a great job in talking about the fact that Jesus was not created, that he is the only begotten son of God, that Jesus who was with God in the beginning when he said, let there be light and there was light. And they said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The Jesus who has always lived, who shall ever live. He sits at the Father's right hand forever making intercession for you and, our, and for me. He is God's gift to you and me. But you know what? God has also given to the church the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather, whether we're gathering in plenary worship like this or in a small group like some of us did at 930 this morning or some will do throughout this week, we come together. We don't just come ourselves. We bring God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit with us. And we bring the anointing that's in our life. And when I bring my spiritual gifts and you bring your spiritual gifts and we begin to worship together, we begin to approximate something of the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, most of you are familiar, or some of you are familiar, I'll say, with the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts of the Spirit, the charismatic 
gifts of the Spirit. Paul says, for to one is given a word of wisdom, to another a word of knowledge, to another discerning of spirits, to another the gift of faith, to another the working of miracles, to another the gifts of healings, to another tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. But did you know that there are other passages of Scripture that also teach on the gifts of the Spirit? And that includes Romans chapter 12. If you take your Bibles or your device and look at Romans chapter 12, three verses, verses 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering, or he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, a lot of people are surprised to learn that there is a spiritual gift called giving. But if you look closely there at verse 8, he who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives with liberality. Now, we're all called to worship God with our tithes and offerings, but did you know there are some people that have a spiritual gift of giving and they just love to bless other people? Now, I used to think, in fact, I've read some books that say, well, mostly these are wealthy people. Well, thank God for wealthy people that do have the gift of giving, but I find there are some people that don't have a whole lot of this world's goods, but they love to give. They always want to give of their time and their talent and their treasure. Well, these seven verses, excuse me, these three verses outline the seven, what are called the motivational gifts of the Spirit, because these gifts are what motivate us for ministry. Let me give you a real quick definition of each of these gifts. If we could go over to that, to the next slide. The, he says in verse 6, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them in prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, if you move in the motivational gift of prophecy, it doesn't mean that you're going to go around prophesying to everybody. It doesn't mean that you're going to go around um, predicting the future. But what it does mean is you're going to sometimes declare an insight of the Holy Spirit that's going to result in edification, exhortation, and comfort to other people. And then he says in verse 7, he says, or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. Well, the, the Greek word that's here translated ministry is liturgio. How many of you have ever heard the word liturgy? You know, some churches have a liturgy they follow that on, on, when they gather to worship, everybody's going to kneel at the same time. They're going to do a responsive reading at the same time. They're going to, anyway, they follow the liturgy. What liturgy really means is it means to serve. In fact, the diaconate, the Greek word diaconate is translated deacons. Deacons are servants. That's exactly what it means. And so when Paul says, if ministry is the way it's translated here, we could easily say service or help. See, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 talks about the gift of helps. The gift of helps is, is, is wonderful. The gifts of service is wonderful. In fact, did you know you can't have a local church 
That local church can't function without the gifts of service and helps. This morning, think of all the people. Aren't you grateful for the people that are part of the coffee ministry that got here real early this morning and made that coffee? Amen? That's because they've got the gift of helps or the gift of service. Aren't you grateful for those who went and got the donuts? Amen. Huh. Aren't you grateful for those that have been outside with the hospitality tent, the welcome tent, the young people that have been out there? They've got that gift of helps, that gift of service. Aren't you grateful for this band and for this choir and these singers? And, and, and it's the gift of helps. Thank God for the technical team. You don't see the technical team because they're hidden back there. But man, we've got people that are running lights and people that are running graphics and computers. We've got somebody right in. Where's our sound person? Right, right. See, see, Maddie, you'd never know that Maddie is running sound from right here in the middle. She moves all around. It's because she's got it on an iPad now. But see, that's the gift of helps. That's the gift of, of service. That's such a blessing. The people that are ushers. The people that, that, that served us communion this morning, they're serving. The people that are greeters, they're serving. The people that will minister around the altar later on today, they are, have that gift of helps and serving. The people at guest services have the gift of serving. The people that are back in children's church that are serving this morning, both in the nurseries and, and in, in, in preschool children's church and in kid venture this morning. See, they've got this spiritual gift. In fact, it is said that 60% of the body of Christ has got the gift of helps and the gift of service. And oh, how we need you to serve. We need you to use that motivational gift. Amen? Look at the definition. You enjoy meeting needs on a practical basis. Again, in verse 7, he says, he who teaches in teaching. See, somebody's got the gift of teaching. They enjoy searching out and presenting scriptural truths. Uh, verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation. The, the, the Greek word for exhort is, is paraklesis. Now, we know that the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. But paraclesis is someone who likes. See, the Holy Spirit brings comfort to our hearts. The Holy Spirit brings strength to us. And that's literally what somebody who exhorts, they're going to come along beside you and they're not condemning you. If they're really using that motivational gift of exhortation, they're going to strengthen you. They're going to bring comfort to your heart. You know, earlier this past week, I was, I was dealing with an issue and I, I couldn't find any answers for it. And so I called my good friend Dale O'Shields, who pastors up in Maryland. And I said, Dale, do you have a minute? I just need to talk with you. He says, certainly. And do you know, I, I talked to Dale for a while, and, and we, we talked, and we prayed, and when I hung up, man, that burden was gone. I was no longer concerned about that thing, because Dale moves in that spiritual gift of encouragement. See, Barnabas in the Old Testament, he moved in that spiritual gift of encouragement. Dear ones, if that's your gift, you need to use it. Oh, there are people that need to be encouraged today. There are people that need to be comforted today. Look again at verse 8. He who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives with liberality. When you have that gift of giving, you enjoy meeting material needs often through finances. You remember Barnabas, he sold a piece of property back in the first century and he gave it to the New Testament church so that they could help the poor with it. That's a good example. 
And then he says in verse 8, he who leads with diligence. Dear ones, some of you have got the motivational gift of leadership and administration. You're effective in organizing and leading others to complete a task. I see April Davy sitting right back here. April, wave at me. It's a beautiful young lady with the blonde hair. You know, Shortly after, I've been here now for a little over 17 years, and shortly after I came, April was serving as our office manager. And one of the things I told Kathy, shortly after April started with us, I said she is significantly underemployed because April Davy has got this spiritual gift of leadership. And it's no, no coincidence, I think, that she's now working for the state, and I've just watched her as she's climbed the ladder, and she's achieved greater and greater and greater things. Of course, the Bible says that a person's gift will make a place for them. And you just need to know that. And you need to pray that. Say, Lord God, I thank you that my gifts Make a place for me. Because I believe that every person, every sincere believer in Christ, you've got one or more of these motivational gifts. You say, well, I'm not sure exactly what they are. Well, if you'll press into God, if you'll press into his word, the, the, the more you spend time with Jesus, the more it's going to become apparent to you what your giftings are. There's one more. Verse 8, it says, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. See, mercy, mercy is simply the ability to empathize and show compassion to other people. Now, having defined this, Pastor Robert Morris from Texas, he's the only person that I've ever heard say this or do this. He says that the Apostle Paul used the parts of the remainder of this chapter, chapter 12, to define further the ministries of these seven motivational gifts. So I want you to take your Bibles, take your device, look over at verse 9. He says, he says verse 9 pertains to prophecy. It says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, folks, look at me. It's easy for somebody who's got the motivational gift of prophecy, they're going to, they're zealous for holiness. They're zealous, zealous to get you to walk in the fear of God. They're zealous. They want to help you to conform your life to the scripture. They're going to be zealous to help you to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. But look how he starts that. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Because one of the biggest weaknesses of a person with the motivational gift of prophecy is <laughs> They love people, but they especially love people who live like they think they should. And dear ones, the truth is this. You got to love everybody. We got to love the good and the bad. We got to love those who, who are zealous for God and those who, who may be falling short because love never fails. Now, don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good this morning, but look at verse 10. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. This is talking about the gift of serving. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. When you're a servant in the house of the Lord, if you are a, or, or a usher or a greeter, you can't just serve those that look like you. You can't serve people that, that, that you've got a relationship with. You've got to serve everybody. They may not have the same color skin that you have. They may not come from the same background you can. But see, Jesus said they'll know that we're Christians by our love. And you just got to love everybody. 
Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Verse 11 correlates with teaching. It says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, here, if you're underlining in your Bible or your device, underline the word fervent there. Because the J.V. Phillips translation says, keep the fires of the spirit burning in your life. Here's the deal, guys. A lot of people love to teach God's word. And what they like to do even more than teach is they love to study God's word. They can spend hours in God's word. But dear ones, if you study God's word and you start just teaching out of your head, you're going to be You're going to be communicating information, but that's not what changes us. What changes us is when the Word of God becomes revelation that turns into transformation, and the pathway for the Word of God to become revelation that turns into transformation is the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and he says you've got to keep a fervency in your life. You've got to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to be filled with the Spirit of God today and tomorrow and the next day. Paul says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So if you move in that motivational gift of teaching, make sure that you're clothed with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. Here this talks of exhortation and encouragement. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. If you're an encourager, if you're an exhorter, it's easy for you to be a merchant of hope. In fact, we all need to be merchants of hope. How many of you know this world is in trouble, but we've got the hope of glory that lives inside us. We've got a hope that serves as an anchor for our soul. We all need to be merchants of hope. And it's easy for somebody with the gift of encouragement to be a merchant of hope. It says rejoicing in hope, but here's the challenge for that person. They've also got to be patient in tribulation. They've got to keep on keeping on when things aren't going right. They got to keep on keep steady when they run into opposition. And the way you do that, look at what he says here, by continuing steadfastly in prayer. That's the only way to rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation. Verse 13, he talks about the gift of giving. He says, distributing to the needs of the saints. That's a great job description. If you've got the gift of giving, there's your job description. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. You know, dear ones, I've known people over the years who have this gift of giving, this gift of hospitality. And I've seen some people who actually will build rooms on their homes so that they can provide housing for missionaries when they come in off the field. So they can provide housing, not only for missionaries, but also for traveling ministries. They've got such a gift and they've also got that gift of hospitality. They love to entertain people in their homes. Amy Wells has got that gift of hospitality. She loves to entertain people in her home. I think about Noel and Lou Hurst. You know, last month Noel went home to heaven. They'd been members of this church since 1966. And that couple also has the gift of giving. They have the gift of hospitality. In fact, his family was telling me, in fact, I, I saw what happened. You know, before his health began to fail, on Sunday mornings, Brother Hurst, Noel Hurst, anytime he saw somebody come into worship that he did not know, Brother Hurst would go and introduce himself and say, can I take you to lunch? 
not only did he take people to lunch, but when Lou was a little bit younger, she would cook every Sunday and she had on purpose they would cook extra food and Noel would go around the church and he would invite anybody that he didn't know everyone he didn't know he would invite them to come to their house for lunch well how many of you know that can be interesting sometimes in fact they, they, they told me that one time he invited a, a man he didn't know named Phil and Phil turned out to be a homeless man Phil really enjoyed lunch that day but Phil fell asleep at the kitchen table <laughs> Noel said he just needed some rest Another time, they invited a man from Pakistan who was Muslim, and he came to their house. And then they also invited a Hindu man who was from northern India. Well, if you know anything about the history of those two nations, they're close to one another, and they've been at war for a long time. And they said that the tension and conflict in the house was pretty strong that day. And without thinking, Lou says, oh, I've made a great beef chili. <laughs> well, if you know anything about Hindus, they don't eat cows. They worship cows. They don't eat them. So this was a great offense to this Hindu man from northern India. So they finally got him to quit bickering with a fellow from Pakistan. And they gave the Hindu man a ham sandwich, and he was happy. Dear ones, I, I, I just, I, what I'm saying is that the gift of giving is a real gift. And if you've got the gift of giving, we need you to exercise your gift right here in the body of Christ. Verse 14 talks about leadership. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Dear ones, if you're in any type of leadership today in the United States of America, I don't care if you're the chairman of the school board or you may be a captain in industry, or you may be the pastor of another church, you are going to get criticized. You are going to, people are going to, especially in this day of, of social media, where people can criticize and it's almost like a drive-by. You never even see who it is. As someone who has gotten it in the neck on social media, as somebody who's gotten it in the neck for people write you notes and, and letters, don't even sign them. You don't know who it is, but people are, dis, are expressing their displeasure and their frustration. Well, God bless them, but here's the deal. You cannot express that same kind of displeasure with them. In fact, look at what the Apostle Paul writes here in verse 14. He says, if you're in leadership, people are going to be disagreeable sometimes, but you've got to learn to bless those who persecute you you've got to bless and not curse verse 15 he says you've got to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep I think he's talking here about people that have the gift of mercy you see the gift of mercy usually comes because somebody has gone through a period or a season of suffering in their own life and when they see another person that's going through suffering I mean these the, the scripture uses a phrase called bowels of compassion literally bowels of compassion mercy just begins to overflow and it's easy for a person with the gift of mercy to weep with those who weep but it's a challenge look at what he says here in verse 15 it's a challenge sometimes for them to rejoice with those who rejoice 
Years ago, when I was working at Regent University, we had a secretary, and she had the gift of mercy. I mean, it was coming out of her ears. That gift of mercy was so strong, and she worked in the admissions office. And one of the things that we began to notice is that graduate students at Regent University would stand sometimes five deep waiting to see. Her name was Eleanor Malandowski, and they would wait to see Eleanor, and they would start telling Eleanor about their problems. And Eleanor's mercy gift was just off the charts and she was so merciful and all these students were just it was ministering to them and it was helping them the only problem is that Eleanor wasn't getting her work done we thought what are we going to do we finally came up with the answer we prayed and the Lord helped us we made Eleanor a counselor and that way she could get her work done and she could exercise her gift of mercy well dear ones all that's just a prelude I want to kind of just change gears as we enter this Christmas season, let me remind you of three things. You may want to write these down because that's going to help you. I want to remind you of three things. Number one, God can use people you don't know to bless you. Don't you ever tell God who he can use to bless you and who he can't. You never know who's got the gift of giving. You never know. How the grace of God is working in somebody's life. And again, I've read books where people will say, well, people with the gift of giving are always real wealthy. That is not true. I've just watched it as a pastor over the years. I've seen people who don't really have a whole lot of this world's goods, but God has put it in their heart to give what they've got, and they want to give of their time and their talent and their treasure. You know, I, the other Wednesday night, I don't remember how long ago it was, but I told the story about when I was in Emmanuel College. I asked Dad, I said, Dad, do we have enough tuition? Do you have the money to, to, to pay for my tuition for this semester? And Dad said, son, don't you worry about it. Well, he was saying that by faith because he did not have the money. He was believing God to supply his need. Now, so, some people think, well, people in ministry, oh, they just got all the money in the world. Dear ones, if you just really knew some of the stories of having to believe God, what goes on behind the scenes. But dad said, son, don't worry about it. It's covered. Well, he was saying that by faith. He was on his way. It was about a week before tuition was due, he had gotten loan papers from the college. He was starting to fill out uh, an application for a loan, but every time he did it, he just felt like inside it wasn't the right thing to do. So he finally put those in the trash can, and he just started believing God. And he's driving over. He's going to preach at a church called Page Pond Assembly of God, which is over in West Florida. He's on his way over to, to Page Pond, and he's driving between Bristol and Bluntstown. He's on, this was back in the days before there was an I-10. So he's on Highway 20. He's on the bridge that goes over the Apalachicola River. And as he's going over that bridge, this car comes up beside him. And at first he tries to ignore them, but they drive right with him. And he looks over and they're trying to get his attention. And it's a couple that he recognizes. And they're trying to get him to, to, to turn over. And so he gets off the road and he talks to them for a minute. And dad said they're very simple people. He says they didn't have a lot of this world's goods. In fact, in fact, the man always dressed in, in overalls and they had a little farm. But they said, Brother Todd, God spoke to us the other night and said that you've got a financial need and we want to give this to you. And they pulled out an envelope that was full of cash 
And it was more than enough to pay my tuition and books. It was more than enough. See, Dad went, went to preach over in Page Pond. He said he didn't have the money in his pocket to pay to get back to Tallahassee to buy gas. But how many of you know, David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Hallelujah. Dear ones, don't ever tell God, well, you can use this person to bless me, but you can't use that person. If, what if Mary and Joseph had said, God, you can bless us through Jewish people, but don't bless us through Iranians or Iraqis, if that was the case, the three wise men probably would not have come to see them and bring them gifts. Because the wise men probably came from modern day Iraq or Iran. They probably journeyed following that star for some 800 miles. And what did they bring with them? They brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Don't ever tell God who can bless you. I, I think about Joseph and Mary and the innkeeper. The innkeeper said, I don't have any more room, but at least he showed them where a barn was. He showed them where a stable was. I think about Joseph and Mary and the shepherds. They didn't know those shepherds, but if they had not been in the stable, the shepherds probably would not have found them, and the shepherds worshiped the newborn king. I think about Joseph and Mary and, and a lady named Anna and a man named Simeon who when they brought Jesus to dedicate him at the temple, they both prophesied over the newborn king. Joseph and Mary did not know them. Remember talking to a pastor one time who was in Texas and he told me a story. He said, our church was behind on our mortgage payments and we had a big payment that was due and the bank was, was, was calling us saying, you've got to pay this. And he says, I didn't know what to do. And I was in the, in the sanctuary praying one day and he says, a man walked in as I was praying. I was telling God how much we needed a financial blessing. And this man walked in and he looked like a cowboy. He had on a Stetson hat and he had on, he had on cowboy boots and he was carrying something. And as he got closer to me, I saw that he was actually carrying an old cowboy boot. And he says, here, preacher, this is for you. I mean, what do you do when somebody walks in and gives you an old cowboy boot? He says, well, thank you. He says, and then the cowboy says, preacher, I don't get to church much. I'm a truck driver, and I drive from California to Florida. He says, I listen to you sometimes on the radio and in podcast, and God's used you to bless and change my life, preacher. And he says, he says, I believe in tithing and giving offerings above the tithe. And he says, every time I get a paycheck, he said, I just get some cash and I put my tithe in this old boot. So preacher, I'm just bringing my tithe to you. And with that, he turned around and walked out. This pastor said they turned that boot upside down and out came over $10,000. Can you say hallelujah? <laughs> don't for a minute, don't ever say, God, you can use this person, but you can't use another I remember evangelist Oral Roberts used to tell the story of building the buildings at Oral Roberts University, and they got in the middle of a project and ran out of money, and he didn't know what to do, and he'd been fasting and praying for several days, and he said he got a phone call. They needed over a million dollars to complete the project. He got a phone call from a man who said, preacher, you don't know me, and I don't know you. In fact, preacher, I'm not even sure I want to know you. Preacher, I'm not a Christian. Preacher, I'm in the dog track business. He says, but for the last week, I can't escape these thoughts. Some thought keeps coming to me telling me that I'm supposed to send you a million dollars. I'm going to send it to you today. Don't ever talk to me again. Don't ever call me. 
Folks, the Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. Now you think about that. There are a whole lot of people that don't know the Lord and they work real hard. They're saving and investing and they're, 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 they're preparing for the future. But the Bible says that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for who? For the righteous. Are you, are you righteous by the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah. God wants to bless you. So don't get picky on who he can use to bless you or how he can do it. Shortly after Kathy and I had moved up to Chicago and we got the church off the ground and we were having a men's meeting and for some reason we were doing the men's meeting. We lived in Libertyville. Some reason the men's ministry was in Evanston. Evanston is the first suburb you come to when you go north when you leave the city of Chicago. And we only had one car. And I had to be down there by 8 a.m. and Kathy needed to buy groceries and so we got our three girls up early. They were eight, six, and two years of age. And Kathy and the girls took me down to this men's meeting and we had the understanding that I was going to, if I had to hitchhike, I was going to find a way home so she didn't have to come get me. Well, after the men's meeting was over with, I did find somebody that took me home and Kathy wasn't there. And the problem is that it started snowing. And I just had on a sweater. I didn't have a coat. I thought I'll just, it was cold, but I thought I'll just run from the car to the building. Not a problem. So this person drops me off. I can't get in my house. I'm just shivering and walking around. What do you do when it's starting to snow and you don't have a coat on and you can't find your wife and you can't figure out where she is and she's not where she's supposed to be? You, you, you shiver and you hug yourself closely and you say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Kathy took a wrong turn coming home and instead of coming back to Libertyville, she ended, 10 miles, ended up 10 miles west of us in a suburb called Mundelein. She didn't know where she was, but she knew she needed to buy groceries and she says, well, at least I can do that. And so she saw a, 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 a Jewel Osco, which is kind of like a Publix. So she goes into the grocery store with the kids and the two-year-old, Kristen, is really acting up. And so to satisfy Kristen, she tells her, she says, I'll buy you some ice cream. Kristen loved ice cream. It had started snowing before they went inside. Kathy buys her groceries. She comes outside. It's not only snowing, it's a blizzard. You get this lake effect snow off Lake Michigan. It is like a quiet house, like a blizzard. She can't find her car for a minute. She finally finds her car. And lo and behold, she's locked her keys in the car. She's in a place where she doesn't know where she is. Her keys are locked in the car. It's snowing, it's cold. And our two-year-old is crying that her ice cream's going to melt. <laughs> Just doesn't make sense. Terry and Catherine told me, said, Daddy, both of us told Mama, don't cry, Mama. Don't cry. What do you do? It's snowing. There's a blizzard. The ice cream is not melting. <laughs> Your keys are locked in the car. You're in a place where you don't know where you are. You don't know anybody. We didn't have cell phones back then. That's, that's, that's really the dark ages, isn't it? <laughs> what do you do? I'm back home, I'm shivering. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Kathy's standing in the parking lot crying. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This strange van pulled into our driveway. And there was a man and his little boy up front. And Kathy said she had seen him in the 
grocery store. They were buying their groceries too. And he had seen her and realized that she was in trouble. And he says, ma'am, can I help you? And he brought Kathy in the girl's home and our groceries. And I'm so cold, I'm just glad to see anybody by this time. And the man ended up taking me back over. I got, got inside, got my keys, and I took, he took me back over to Mundelein, and I was able to pick up her car. Hallelujah. Dear ones, what I'm saying, I share this story to say God wants to bless you, and he wants to help you, and he'll help you in ways that you've never dreamed about. He'll send help from, 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 from areas, from people that you haven't planned on. Don't you say, God, you can't use that person to bless me. Don't say, God, it has to be a, a wealthy person, or it has to be this, that, or the other. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Here's the second point. I'll do this. I'll be quick here. God can take care of your tomorrows. When Joseph and Mary, when they set off for Bethlehem, Mary was big with child. I suspect they planned about a two-week journey. They knew it would take them a couple days to get to Bethlehem. They were going to pay their taxes. Maybe she was going to have the baby, but then they were going to come back to Nazareth within two weeks. But something happens. She has the baby, and the Holy Spirit speaks to Joseph, says, don't be afraid, Joseph. Don't be afraid. Herod's going to try to kill the Christ child. You take him to Egypt. They hadn't planned to go to Egypt. But they had some gold, and they had some frankincense, and they had some myrrh. See, God had already taken care of their two years in Egypt. Dear ones, when you get to the River Jordan, God knows how to stop up the River River Jordan. When you get to the Red Sea, God knows how to hold back the waters of the Red Sea. When you get to a place of need, God knows how to take care of you. But you got to look up to heaven and say, God, I receive your provision. I receive your resources. I receive your your plans in Jesus mighty name here's our third point we'll close with this God can override the systems of this universe to get you the help that you need I said God can override the systems of the universe never in the history of mankind had a star appeared over Iran or Iraq going toward the east And these three astrologers, these three wise men. I heard a little kid telling the story. He says, yeah, there's three wise guys. Here they come bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they follow this star, not 10 miles, not 100 miles, but about 800 miles. They follow the star until it rests over Bethlehem, which is just outside of Jerusalem. And they find the Christ child, and they worshiped him. Dear ones, God can override the systems of this universe to get you the help that you need when you need it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
I believe the Lord would say to you that he sees the tears that you cry in secret. The Lord sees the heaviness that tries to come on your heart. The Lord sees the attacks of the enemy. But the Lord says, I'm going to make a way for you where there doesn't appear to be a way. The Lord would say to you that you're not to look up and you're not to look down and you're not to look sideways, but that you're to look to him looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to worship with our offering, and then we're going to have some time of ministry. I'm going to ask uh, Norm, would you come on and come, and Wes, and our ushers are coming right now. Lord God, today we're so grateful that you override the systems of this universe to get us the help that we need. We're so grateful that you've already taken care of our tomorrows. We're so grateful, Lord, that you're a refuge and strength, that you're a very present help in time of trouble. But Lord, we know that we have to count you as a help. We have to say, Lord God, you are faithful and you are supplying every need. In Jesus' mighty name, we love you, we adore you and praise you. And everybody says amen and amen. Let's worship with this offering. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.